Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com You'll also find me on AlanWattSentinel.eu It is August the 30th, 2007 Strange things happen once in a while in all our lives, things which are inexplicable to an extent Today was one of those days for me when I got up wondering about the spraying and the effects it's having on the public plus the psychotronic warfare, the scalar weaponry which is also used on top of the spraying or in combination with the spraying to alter the moods and the reactions to the public At the post office today I watched as the woman tried to tally up the the figures for a few things I was posting out and it came to two hundred and two dollars which is about a hundred odd dollars just over what it should be. <laughs> That's the kind of day it's been everywhere I went. A uh, slight confusion. When I went to the bank, as soon as I got up to the teller, down went the computers and they had to resort back to the, the calculators and confusion once again as the woman tied up the same amount of figures and got four different answers each time it wasn't a complicated project and by any stretch of the imagination but I watched the reactions as I say all day to the people around me same thing went to the grocery store. I went to the grocery store and there's this woman in front who had her usual groceries and, and two bags that she'd filled with dates and things and hadn't put any price on or the sticker on and held up me, who was right behind her, for about 20 minutes while she had to go back and find them and get the number and the bin and all that stuff. That's the kind of day it's been. And yet the odd thing is, I knew it was going to be one of those days before I started it. You get that little precognition there, that little bit of deja vu, and you just know what's going to happen. So each thing is no surprise to you when it does happen, kind of like the Matrix movie, when the programs overlap, and there's a time lapse and you see something twice. That's kind of like the feeling you get when you have one of those days. And I wouldn't be surprised if the confusion in people that we're witnessing is due to not only the inhalation of the spraying which may be laced with drugs as well as the the metallic substances that's been found plus the harp playing on top of it is having an effect on the public in ways they don't understand they certainly are not reacting to situations in their own environment or to the world situation as people really should be. The bank teller was mentioning that the US dollar is pretty well par with the Canadian dollar and I said to her well it's because we're merging you see by 2010 and she said well that will never happen 
Why would it never happen? Because in her little mind, her world, her conditioning, it could never happen, you see. There's no foresight, there's no thought, there's no recollection of the trade agreements being signed. Nothing was there at all except her idea that that could never happen. Then her next comment was interesting, was off-handed, almost absent-minded, when she said, well, the cultures are all the same now anyway. And she says, that's right, we've had the same culture for years, same indoctrination, same television. We speak the same language, we do the same things, buy the same things from the same stores, which are just chains from north to south, east to west. So really, it's no big deal. We've already been lined up to merge. That's the whole idea behind the big corporations and their chain stores. As Quigley said, as Professor Carl Quigley, he says the new CEOs will be the feudal overlords with their international corporations. Well, you see, that's happened. In reality, there is no competition at the top because these CEOs pop in and out of politics, they go into the big corporations, then they move and go into their competitors' position, they change seats like musical chairs, and you couldn't do that in a world of competition because the CEO would take their business project plans with them, the plans for the next 50 to 100 years, meaning there'd be massive battles here, you'd lose all your secrets of investments and plans, etc. So therefore that tells you there is no competition at the top. The big CEOs are not the capstone of the building, but they're up there at the top. They know all they need to know for their position. And that's the beauty of a pyramid. Each layer of the pyramid only needs to know what it needs to know. And they're quite happy with that. In fact, to get up there, that's one of the prerequisites, is knowing what questions not to ask very important. Even in the police force it's the same thing. The questions not to ask. Same in the military if you want promotion. They could say that's a good man that's what they call you. You're a good man because you don't ask the questions that a, a sentient person might. This week on my Cutting Through the Matrix show on RBN Radio I've been touching on perception and how perception is altered and how conditioning is altered through the alteration of the immediate environment around a person. It's so clever. You see, the scientists who initially tried to find out how the mind would work realized there were so many facets to study and having the unlimited budgets they get from the big think tanks and the big governmental secret organizations from the parallel government, really, they decided to split up into specializations. Skinner, that went into behaviorism and behaviorist science, thought it best to alter the person's behavior by simply altering the environment around them. You don't realize how easy it is to condition you by slight changes over a period of time within your environment. The Pavlovian training that you got even to wear a seatbelt 
it was quite simple. They put a buzzer in the car. Therefore, when it wasn't snapped in, the buzzer went on, and you responded to the noise. Very simple. They do this with animals in laboratories. Until you have a population, and a world population, that obeys automatically and doesn't even think that a machine is literally programming them to do something. A machine, really, which is in their environment and not, not part of them, it's around them. This same conditioning process is now going into shopping malls in Britain and shortly to come to ones near you where big screens are installed and if you just happen to drop a candy wrapper or do something socially unacceptable and that could vary from a whole bunch of things since they keep expanding what is acceptable and non-acceptable you'll find it yourself you'll be on the screen and the whole shopping mall will see you and you'll feel terribly small and under the microscope and blush and maybe even do worse things depending on how well your bladder is equipped to handle it but that's all to train the public by alterations in the environment to obey, obey, obey. You've heard the battle that's been going on for many, many years concerning law enforcement. Well, law enforcement, you see, must, by its own mandate and its own teaching, go the whole way to being absolutely sure that everyone will obey. It has no choice because when you see the way they're trained and the specialists now in the multi-specialists and the multi-layered specialisms that are into law enforcement, that is their mandate. Everyone must be predictable completely in order to control them completely. It can't go any other way. And no matter what silly laws seem to come along that the public don't understand, they will enforce them because these laws have nothing to do really with treating you like a human being you're simply a guinea pig that's being trained as a good animal should be trained by its betters according to the law they truly see their their position as that it's the same in the military the military of course is for the officers where they say the only solution to world peace is to ban war to eliminate war and they go through all the causes of war, which are only the superficial ones, and again, they're only told what they need to know. And that's how it's so easy to believe when you're taught all that you need to know and no more. They really believe that the elimination of nations will end war. However, none of them want to be out of work, and that's why, since before you were born, really since the end of World War II, they saw the glimmering of a united planet where they'd have to find new enemies and who did they turn their sights on? well it's the member of Joe Public you see there's no other target left a world society that will need to be trained like Pavlovian animals into new ways of behaviour through traditional methods of the threat of force and eventually the use of force if need be This is where science has taken us. Science, which the elite decided would conquer the world. Sciences, which they kept secret from the public. Not just the stuff you get at university, but the the levels of tuition 
which are much higher than university level, that deal with the, the very advanced sciences. The stuff they get at university level is literally child's play, it's Freudian, and uh, it's low-level stuff. When they, And then the behaviorists, too, simply repeat the same tests and routines on animals that the last class did and the previous year's class did, on and on and on. They don't realize that there, there are branches way above them which have crossed the line between observation and coercion or direct stimulation because they do have equipments which again is out in the open now if you read the right books to do with psychotronic warfare. Zygmunt Brzezinski talked about this in the book Between Two Ages. It's a must read for anyone who really wants to get in to the agenda because Brzezinski wasn't some sci-fi novelist employed by the Future Society to simply give you predictive programming. This guy was up at the top. He gave advice to a lot of presidents, still does. And his speciality was about control, behavioral control of vast societies. When Brzezinski was asked if he thought the public would ever rebel if they were pushed too far, he, he scoffed. And he said, the public, he says, what do you mean? He says, you can, you can beat them, you can push them, you can starve them to death. And what do they do? Meaning, would they turn and rebel? He says, no, they turn around and eat their dead. That's what he thinks of the general public. And that's a typical of the elitists who are in charge, the psychopathic elitists. Now, he's not quite wrong in what he's saying because they've done studies down through history, down through the ages on this very thing. It takes an awful lot to get Joe Public to rebel. And even then, it's sporadic. It's a last-ditch, desperate attempt to sustain life, uh, to get food, to have a, a roof over their head for the family. When there's no family left, there's nothing left to fight for. Uh, that's another reason they want to destroy the family. Because the woman, as Adolf Hitler said, will follow the biggest propagandist, the one who promises them safety and security, if they just obey. And he said, we must aim all our propaganda at her. She will come, the child will follow the mother, and therefore must follow the man. And he was only quoting Nero and other tyrants from the past who'd used the same formula. When the family is destroyed, there's no man left to defend anything. So government can talk directly and demand you, the individual, to obey with no one stepping in between or around you to help you. That's as simple as that. Brzezinski, in the book Between Two Ages, talked about psychotronic warfare. He said it's shortly to be used on the public. You'll find that in it. The technotronic era. Technicians would be one huge class that would be up there under the guardians, as Plato called them, working for the guardians, the dominant minority of Aldo Huxley. Different names for the same people, same families. And they'll be using this psychotronic warfare. Psychotronics is the ability for a computer to literally pick up on electrical impulses 
which compose a language. Each one is a language going to different nerves, your eyes, your ears, and different centers of the body. It can pick it up instantaneously as you broadcast it, amplifies the signal. It can decipher it. And if they think that you're having the wrong thoughts, they can adjust them and beam it right back at you so that you'll suddenly change your mind in the middle of something or your opinion in the middle of something or simply it will be blotted out of your mind altogether. This technology actually exists. The beauty of this system is they keep these sciences pretty well secret from the general public. You won't hear it touted about on the news. The news is meant to keep you in one phase of reality, which is the bottom level. Science magazines and exposés are meant to do the same when they come out and say, this is the best that we have. That's all there is. We're working on this. Maybe one day we might be able to yada yada yada. That's how you're kept in the dark while they're actually using advanced technology and psychotronics on the public. This was demonstrated on Canadian television when Nick Bigage somehow or other was got was gotten a hold of and and shown using this obsolete equipment from the CIA from the 1950s. Stuff you could put in your pocket like a packet of cigarettes. Something you could aim at someone's head and literally give them thoughts or voices or music inside their skull. Old stuff, obsolete stuff. And you wonder how many people ended up having psychotic breakdowns, thinking they were going mad as they were being tested with this stuff on probably a world basis. I think every country has the same technology, to be honest, and has for a long time. How many people were locked up in psychiatric hospitals with this, as all the studies were going on? There's a movie everyone should get a hold of. It's called Control Factor. It's very similar, in a sense, to They Live, in that it was a low-budget movie, but it's packed with real stuff, real information about psychotronics, written in a story form where whole cities are under the microscope and individuals within society are under another microscope being tested and tested and tested because, you see, if something in your environment changes or within yourself, it seems you might think you're going a little crazy. And they want to study you as you as you think you're going crazy, as you try to hold on to sanity, and all strange things are happening to you or around you. They want to be able to predict your behavior as you use your logic to try and fathom out what's happening to you. This stuff has been done on the public. On what kind of a scale, we'll never know, but I do believe that the HARP technology is putting people into a much calmer state than they should be, even though when you see them in towns and cities, they're very, very tense because the worries are stepping up in society. All the glue that held it together is falling apart, it's breaking off and chipping away. So there's a tension there, but something else is keeping them under 
almost a foggy state or a fugue, a fugish state, as they would call it in psychiatry. Now, I don't know where Nick Biggage got that equipment to demonstrate on the CBC, on Wendy Mesley show. You can't find it at the Army Surplus Store for camping and supplies. Nonetheless, that equipment was solid state. It had to be microcircuitry. And that was the 1950s. How far ahead have they been in the past? And, and how far are they ahead today? They're tremendously far ahead. They're using the psychotronics on a large scale. Those who stay up at night and watch the sky when you're getting these now these new thunderstorms, the, the new norm thunderstorms. We're always getting new normals. It must be normal because the forecast never mentions it or comments on the, the strange bizarreness of the the piano ripples that go across the sky now and strobe like effects which are witnessed across even parts of Ontario by different people who get in touch with me. That helps to verify it's not just you who's under attack. It's a whole people who are sleeping away. The voice to skull technology is old stuff, very old stuff. Alexander Bell's father was working on that before Bell himself became famous for the telephone and took over. They were all very high in certain societies, and they had their mandates. You'll find that intergenerational families have their own particular speciality, which they pass on to their children who take over. And no doubt, if you went into the the lineages of them, you'd find them connected to very important people in in history. I don't know if people are really aware uh, with the, the changes they've all heard of vaguely concerning televisions, for instance, and the flicker rate, the pattern, and all the different names they've used for updating television to high definition, and all of this kind of stuff, and you think it's just for your own entertainment and pleasure and better viewing. Yet before the television was given out, it was well known that specific flicker rates which are not really visible to the conscious mind it can set you into epileptic seizures if need be and this has been tried in Japan in a big test that they used on children with one of the more popular games when they first brought it out many of them went into epileptic seizures this kind of technology this kind of thing Again, a change in your environment, something external to yourself, can induce certain programmed effects, because that's what it's doing. It's programming your brain, because it can tap into certain frequencies that your brain will then try and match. It's a sympathetic resonance, as they call it. They can do it with any nerve in your body, because all the different nerve systems, the nervous systems to your eyes, your ears, and so on, have different, different rates of vibration, and so do all the nutrients that come along to it. That's how they pick up the specific nutrients they need. The nutrients vibrate at the same frequency 
as the nerves themselves and it attracts them to it. They take it by osmosis. Once again, old stuff. Old stuff that's now being used in real life because when they give you pop guns they call firearms, they're keeping you in the dark. They're so far ahead of all of that that it's even a joke for them to still to use firearms for the regular troops. It keeps you still thinking an old think that's the best we've got. Even though they keep changing the style of it, it's the same old stuff, powder and ball basically. And it keeps you thinking that's the best we can do. A while in the 1970s, the big magazines for the military were publishing the fact that they had little pencil-sized weapons that if a soldier swept it across the battlefield, like a little pen torch, a pen flashlight, everyone coming in his direction would be blinded permanently. That's what I'm talking about. The quiet technology, the very, very quiet technology that's had massive funding because the world we're going into is to be a world of changes, big changes, rapid changes. So rapid that the Department of Defense published the biggest think tank that it owns, its own report in the Guardian newspaper, at least nine pages of it, but there's 90 altogether. Look into the archive section on my website and you'll find it there. They foresee a horror show of uprisings for the next 30 years. And this ties in with the speech given by Donald Rumsfeld right after 9-11 when he said this war might take a hundred years. And Joe Average is... Between his, his inoculations, his modified food and his hamburgers and his and his GM uh, potatoes, the French fries and and all the other stuff that he eats, vaguely thinks through this this fugue again, this fugish state, and 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 might wonder occasionally here and there. Uh, one of them will think, why are they going to take so long, a hundred years, to finish off the Middle East? Well, it's not the Middle East, folks. It's the whole planet. It's a whole planet that must come through a dramatic change from the old world to the new world and for the new age. The age of Huxley's Brave New World. Uh, 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 even Brave New World was a, was a term from the Greek, from the ancient Greeks, the philosophers, who wrote about this as well, a Brave New World where you would dare, those those who had the ability and audacity, like the knights, you see, a knight is bold, he's audacious, he has audacity. Those who could grab the reins of life and lead would dare to take charge and conquer nature and break all the bonds of the past, reshape the world, remold it, into a new, better, more efficient system to serve those who dared to take the reins. The psychopathic inbred personalities that have run this world for a long, long time. Charles Darwin did not come up with the idea of the origin of species to do with selective breeding by himself. His grandfather wrote about it because they'd already been inbreeding themselves. 
and picking specific partners for certain qualities, always from the same other family. The idea to get hybrids out of the matches and then to inbred the hybrids and breed them. That's what it's about. An old, old idea or science that has been used down through the ages by very powerful, wealthy families for lower order secret societies under their many names those who could take the hint and marry the person they were advised to after the third generation could actually have a son down the road who would go higher and eventually perhaps get knighted and brought in to eligibility for marriage into these particular families that's what it was all about all the secrecy at the bottom of joining a little brotherhood to get little favours from society or just that as as a cover for the, the bottom it's also a charitable cover for the public who can never see past the charity and the clowns who drive little cars in front of parades and hand out balloons and make you laugh when there's a more ominous aspect to all of it because the brighter ones, the wise guys get to the top, the better psychopaths and look down their noses at the profane down below including the low masons you speak to some of the higher masons and they're very streetwise they see through every con automatically and laugh about it I remember one of them telling me he says oh yeah I'll believe the police are there to help us and they care about our safety when they give us plastic bumpers after taking away the metal ones instant you see instant streetwise recognition of the fallacy that had been pushed over the public and he also knew too that it was to increase the sales of parts because these plastic things crumple like crazy in front and rear and most accidents are simple bumps now it's an awful lot more money to repair all of that and so after sales parts do very very well that's how the masons see things they see through the cons that are pulled over the public time and time again they see through it so easily these are the wise guys these are the guys who have no problem in taking their graft another another meaning for G there's many, many levels of G but another method of taking graft from the, those in the darkness the profane, the herd in this winner and loser society we call civilization and progress getting back to the television and the changeover I've often wondered about the the alteration of things from the analogue to the digital digital is very interesting when you dig it you know, a phrase they used during the 60s when all the stereo and so on was coming in big time dig it man digit man and everyone parted it and gave it as a greeting in fact to each other 
And Christians, on the other hand, and other religionists, were turned to their holy books looking for answers, never fathoming that the predictive programming in their books, mainly in Christianity, when it tacked on revelations, was meant to program them to the very end and be deceived to the very end. That way they, they don't cause a problem. They're very conformist to the power structure. It doesn't matter how bad the structure is. They emulate it and behave like it and and like to be middle class and have clean shirts and ties and suits to to wear to church and cars that don't rust because God doesn't like that apparently in fact you might be a failure in their system if you didn't have all those new clothes and new cars it means you're holding back a sin they've got an answer for everything it's quite interesting you don't need an angry God who's going to be judgmental when you have all these people who primarily grabbed the Old Testament which had to predominate eventually over the new because most people like laws and rules and that's what the Old Testament is full of therefore they judge all the time and they're also programmed that it's God's will you can't fight God and why even complain because if it's God's will it's God's agenda they're in double think they're terrified of the end because they're terrified they might lose their own little lives individually Yet they can't stop what's happening because if they try to, they would be going against God's will. There's abuse for you. We've been trained to believe that the sciences were simply being explored through the curiosity of man to find out how things worked, to make all our lives better. We should have asked what they meant by better and who defined it who defined progress because we've gone really from one age an age that was short lived and that was the age of the budding individual a fairly recent phenomena from the middle ages the middle ages it was a mass man who was told all he needed to know all his answers were there in the bible his priest would give him the answers or his minister later on and there was nothing left to question. There were no sciences to fill in any gaps or explain anything in more detail to him. He lived in communities ruled over by lords and lairds and all kinds of subdivisions of nobility. For a short time, there was a chance of individuality, fairly recently, in fact. And now that's on the way out, as you can see people are very gregarious today. Most of them live in the cities. Before the Great Depression, over 90% of them lived on the land. The Great Depression put them off the land into the cities. This also had been happening too, mind you, since the Industrial Revolution, much earlier in the European countries. But it took really the Great Depression to finish off the U.S. and get most of them into the main habitat areas. We now talk about urban sprawl 
and containing urban sprawl. Well, what did you have before that? You had them all over the place. That's when they were much happier, and that's where individuality began to sprout in those who were brought up in really rural, sometimes isolated areas. Today we're treated really as complex mechanisms. We're just products, they say, of environments and hereditary factors. Just protoplasmic mechanisms engineered by chance, by genetic codes and DNA helixes. And we work on the base mechanics of stimulus and response to adapt us to the world around us. That's what we're told. Meanwhile, we're being adapted all the time. We're being forced to adapt in this spinning wheel like a hamster has in a cage to run faster and faster. And when we can't run any faster, we're told to learn new mechanisms of coping with all the stresses, all the stresses that are there because we're not living in a humane world. That's why we have all the stresses. There's nothing normal or humane about it. That's why you have a massive psychiatric industry and the the psychologists too are making a killing off the killing off the people. As they break down, then they're given band-aid treatment and thrown back into society, the very structure that brought them down in the first place. The ancients talked about the opposites, called many names, Huru Mazda and Araman, the two in conflict down through the ages for eternity. The yin and yang, the the same thing, the opposites, always battling along. In Christianity, it's a Christ and an Antichrist. The Antichrist really is a symbol of a force, a force that might even be within us, which treats the world like dead matter, assuming that everything can be weighed and measured, calculated. It leads into a a subnatural world hidden below the threshold of sense perception. The world below man really is a world of magnetism and electricity and atomic energy, DNA codes and so on. We become the observers. When you become the observer, then man has become the very means to eliminate himself from an active role in Earth's evolution. The will itself is subverted, especially the individual will, and it's enslaved because the models, the intellects, the intellects, at least those who are in charge, use and project onto us are those that information is vital for everything. And from the information, they then use data and the data gives the answer to them, even though the data can have nothing in common with humanity itself, as pure human beings with emotions and feelings and needs. 
This is the elimination of man from the process, as I say, of his own evolution. The data itself, the facts that they gather, supposed facts that they gather, statistics that they gather, end up giving them the answers which are then imposed upon us as to how we must behave and work and think. Computers are becoming obeyed as though they're gods. I've said before that Nietzsche, who was one of the first ones, at least the front man, to say God is dead, also meant that the, the opposite, the corollary, means that you will act differently if you think God is dead than when you would think if God existed. At that, that age of science, suddenly there was no one, or really, it's that we never saw, we saw there never was a one, a God, a deity. Then we have to change everything that we'd ever, ever thought everything that was ever said and every deed that had ever been done and seen in a completely different way. We have a reversal of values where life is sacred and that all the laws therefore revolve around that one thing. If God is dead and we're just flukes in evolution from a great bang which is just as farcical as Genesis then we allow ourselves to be used and abused guided bludgeoned cudgeled forced euthanized to the end because we're no longer sacred you see You find at this time, this age, everything is to do with extremes and opposites. Politics are really two expressions of the same impulse. And the impulse is to formulate and to systematize and to codify. So it doesn't matter if it's left wing, right wing, they're all using the same system. And that's why the Soviet system went along parallel with the West in their sciences which were then forced upon the people at least the people's conduct had to rectify itself to do with the sciences had to adapt they're just two two sides of the same coin left wing, right wing that's why left wing or right wing parties when they have total control end up building empires regardless empires will obliterate distinctions which are unique, peculiar to individuals. In fact, they eradicate individuality. They impose systems which can be as alien to the individual on which it is imposed as the mood of the scientist may be to the artist or poet. Another meaning of a trinity is the world itself, earth, matter, It has intellect above it, always symbolizes a serpent. 
and the combination of the two creates a symbiosis of matter and intellect always at war the offspring being in double think at all times because emotion is left out of the equation there's no spirit involved when we capitulate this term this abused muddied term called spirit you have a creeping cancer of the soul you have stagnation and dehumanization and there's a willingness you'll see throughout society to be a fractional element in a complex mechanical entity rather than a complete being in our own human ambience we have a, a passive population a population that sits at sports together gregariously yet still passively observing, observing, observing at night that people go into their homes and passively watch television and get programmed they don't participate in anything when they discuss the topics on television they think the ideas are their own but once again that television, that external stimuli in their environment has altered what they would be doing or thinking for themselves if they didn't have that television there very simple, now it's the computer with its flashing screen which you don't see consciously either but your subconscious does and you can literally burst little flashes across that screen there which can program you the Pentagon has admitted they have particular viruses they call them which can stop the heart of a viewer of a computer with a certain combination of flashing lights in a certain sequence and colors your body and all those functions within the body that rely on the electrical impulses have their own unique languages and they can emulate this externally have you see it and your mind will adopt it and put it into action another thought of thought way of uh, remote control you might say and we think we're buying all this stuff for our own good I keep telling the people there's nothing given to the public unless it's for an ulterior purpose by the elite they don't really care if you're enjoying yourself or not it's only important that you think you're enjoying yourself that's why they flooded everything with pornography to make sure that the vast majority go into it because we all have that urge don't we use the natural urges of a specimen and then trap the specimen in a particular area by using them it's interesting to watch and observe how I myself have been accepted by different again groups of people people who who see themselves in a pigeonhole belonging to this or that or the other group people who have been listening to even Patriot Radio for years 
which has kept them on edge forever with impending disasters. Yet they'll say that I'm too gloomy because I don't give them the good news at the end of it, which is to buy something generally after you've been terrified. Oh, I don't do that, no. Because I'm beyond it. I've watched what's happening my whole life. I know how things work. And I know how the minds of those who are in what they think are the patriot communities think as well. I don't build up to a sales pitch by scaring the bejesus out of you and then selling you an antidote or something that's going to save you like a life raft. I just tell you the facts as they are and I don't expect and never did expect the vast majority to understand. Most never will. They never have in any previous generation or any previous age either. It's only for those who have will and who question things to understand the bigger picture. The mainstream media gives us these terror scenarios all the time. Homeland Security has been putting out false flag alerts for the last few years now. They have to do it. They're crying wolf, wolf, wolf. Then everyone picks up on it and gets terrified, including the Patriot radio stations. And I look beyond it. Now, it's not inconceivable that they will do something or cause a war or whatever it may be with some other country. But you can bet your bottom dollar that it's not for the elite of either country to be annihilated. They'd never do that. They wouldn't be so silly. That's why they have all their agreements. The West created communism. It financed communism from the beginning, both in Russia and in China. The different agreements were signed in the 70s, 80s, 90s to do with building up China to be the manufacturer for the planet. To intense effort and cooperation between all countries and masses of lawyers and bureaucrats working together to bring it to pass. China is owned by the big corporations and the big moneylenders. You would never find your own elite, never ever, giving away a power to others who may annihilate them down the road. It would never happen. Your infrastructure, your ability to to mass-produce weaponry, for instance, if it was just basic weaponry, would never be given away to your enemies and you're left defenseless because you can't make it yourself anymore. The elite are not stupid. They own all the supposed enemies. Enemies where they keep changing their sights on every so often, like who are we fighting today, East Asia or West Asia, as we hopscotch around in this video game of war. Most Americans don't realize that It wasn't Iraq they went to war with after 9-11. It was Afghanistan and a guy who was living in caves. But the media has done such a great job, most folk don't know that anymore. They thought Saddam Hussein in Iraq was behind it. 
even though Mr. Bush himself said during the inquiry that, that Hussein had nothing to do with it, and he never said that he did have anything to do with it. He just said he was a bad man and the world's a better place without him. That was his justification. That was good enough for the public, apparently, because they didn't question it. But it's nothing to do with that. It's a long-term agenda, as we know. For a world society to be kept under control will go through a transitory phase, especially in the West, of using ID cards and borders until we all have ID cards and chips. Then the borders are to come down, just like Europe. They're down, you see. So don't think the borders are being intensified for some sort of permanency. They're not. It's just a little sham at the moment to get you used to getting your ID card, which is an international one. And that way you can be tracked and traced wherever you go in the future. And your offspring who will get born into this system will think it's all quite natural to be traced and tracked and monitored in every purchase analysed and recorded. We're just laboratory rats in the system. In ancient times, when the ancient mysteries came out of Egypt and Greece and moved into the Levant and different areas and gave them something that wasn't given to the public, it was always given to a select few down through the ages, they gave them for the first time the idea of individual salvation, if you like. That's how it was taken by the public, because everyone and every generation is terrified of the same thing, which is death. Always the same formula. Death, you see, and being saved from it. The reason people can go through hell on earth is because death terrifies them more than the hell on earth. That's why they put up with so much. And what we've seen in in North America is nothing to what other countries have seen in their recent and remote histories. It will become nasty, though, as all energy is taken from you. All those things which you need for self-sustainability are taken from you, and you're forbidden to even grow your own food eventually. You'll be anti-social if you do. That's what they're talking about, the riots that will come, as this system really steamrolls ahead. And yes, it is their system. We're all trained to gather this seed called money and use it. And when they decide to pull a plug or reduce it or half its value, they will do so and bring in their next currency. In fact, they must do that to bring in the new North American currency that's scheduled. Whenever they do a changeover, they pretty well half the purchasing power of the money with the new coinage or paper or blips on screens, whatever they want to call it, it's all the same con job. When they decimalized the British currency, it happened pretty well overnight. 
going from 12 old pennies to a shilling to 5 new pence to a shilling and they hit the people with general sales tax at the same time not general sales tax actually they called it that before but they called it value added tax so you had a double whammy total confusion but in the end run everybody realised that they were getting half the value in purchasing power for the same earnings it took a while for that to get through that's what's always been done when they introduce a new currency And the people also sometimes complain that I don't answer their emails. Well, they don't see how many I get in a day. And I'm, I'm not sitting here with a staff of people like others are to take care of it all. I do my own cooking here and everything else. And shopping, etc. And I can't sit here like some machine on a machine answering every single email some people just use me as a a reference library they think they can phone me up and I'm sort of maybe I'm plumbed into the chair with water getting piped in and perhaps septic getting piped out just to answer little questions where they could do their own searches and find things themselves and I'd appreciate it if they did And there are important ones, emails I have to get back to, and I can't. There's just too many and too much to do here in a day. To end this, well, don't expect me to give you the answers as well. That's the first thing people do is, he doesn't tell us the answer. And that's how they phrase it, it doesn't tell us the answer. You see, it's a collective mentality who've been used all their lives to be told what to do, what to think. And that's not what I'm here for, is to tell you what to do or what to think. The collective mentality demands a solution that is given to them. That's why they pick sides in things and vote and do all these kind of things and listen to experts that's why we're in the mess we're in because the battle along many different planes is also a battle of the individual versus the collective individual sentience versus the Borg and the Borg can't think for themselves and will get agitated if they're not told what to think or do. Know thyself is the old adage. It means going inside yourself for solutions. Not going outside to find someone who might have them ready-made. The battle is on many, many fronts on many levels above and below I'm just giving you the news I'm giving you the details I'm explaining where you are and how you got here I have shown you a few ways of where it could go and that would be up to yourselves the collective will always blame the leader that doesn't get them what they want 
That's the allegory of the mob who jeered Jesus, the same mob that at one time cheered him on. They jeered him in the crucifixion. That's what it means. The collective versus the individual that rises above. To end tonight, which is a rushed blurb, I just got back from town after all these mishaps today. I'm going to end with a tribute to all the inbred ingratiates that run our planet for us, the dominant minorities all over the world who've risen to the top over pyramids of bodies of generations of others by cunning and their ruthlessness. The song is dedicated to all of you. From Hamish and myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. ago when I was 23 I was married to a widow who was pretty as could be This widow had a grown up daughter who had hair of red My father fell in love with her and soon they two were wed This made my dad my son-in-law and changed my very life For my daughter was my mother cause she was my father's wife To complicate the matter even though it brought me joy I soon became the father of a bouncing baby boy I'm my own grandpa I'm my own grandpa It sounds funny, I know But it really is so I'm my own grandpa My little baby then became a brother-in-law to dad And so became my uncle Though it made me very sad For if he was my uncle Then that also made him brother Of the widow's grown-up daughter Who of course was my stepmother Now father's wife and I had a son Who kept him on the run And he became my grandchild For he was my daughter's son My wife is now my mother's mother And it makes me blue Because although she is my wife She's my grandmother too I'm my own grandpa I'm my own grandpa It sounds funny, I know But it really is so I'm my own grandpa Oh, if my wife is my grandmother Then I'm her grandchild And every time I think of it It nearly drives me wild For now I have become The strangest case you ever saw As husband of my old grandmother I'm my own grandpa I'm my own grandpa I'm my own grandpa It sounds funny, I know But it really is so I'm my 